heaven. Amen. You know, I'm, I'm glad I'm going to heaven, whether it be by the grave or, or just simply be raptured up. I, I, I want to say that if I could choose, I, I believe I would rather just be raptured up. Amen. Kind of miss that whole dying thing. Uh, but uh, regardless, uh, we do know that our bodies will be resurrected and uh, we're going to fly away and meet Jesus in the air and, uh, and be forever changed. Isn't that exciting to think about? Amen. And uh, I like that song, Just a Few More Weary Days and Then. I know it seems like maybe we go through long seasons and maybe you have as far as what the world knows of time. Uh, you've been through a long season, uh, but there's going to come a time in our existence, if you're saved this morning, that uh, your, your whole lifespan will just be like that. In other words, uh, it, it won't have any bearing on the glory and the joy that you're going to have in heaven someday, amen? And uh, that's what I often think about when I, when I hear those songs. I'm, I'm looking forward to that, amen? All right, 2 Kings chapter 7, 2 Kings chapter 7. And um, I want to preach to you this morning, and I'm sure Brother Brad, he, he always does a good job up there for us. And you see there the title of the message, uh, Why Just Sit Here Until You Die? And you say, that's kind of an odd title. Well, we're going to find that here in our text, and I'm going to go ahead and ask you if you will, 2 Kings chapter 7, stand with me if you're physically able this morning, stand with me in reverence to the Word of God. And we're just going to read one verse. We're going to be looking at others and getting the context of this passage. If we were just to read this on its own, it might sound a little confusing, uh, bewildering to us. But we are just going to start with this verse, and then we'll fill in the context as we go. Uh, but again, the title of the message uh, this morning, Why Just Sit Here Until You Die? And what a great question. And by the way, this is more of a salvation message. But, but again, I think that believers can be challenged in many ways uh, as well. Amen. I... I believe that uh, God put us on this planet for a purpose, amen, and we ought to be busy out doing God's work. Uh, certainly that is true. But 2 uh, Kings uh, chapter 7, verse 3, notice what it says, And there were four leprous men. Most of us probably are familiar with leprosy. There were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate. We know this gate to be the gate of the city of Samaria, uh, those ten northern tribes, I'll explain that in just a moment. And they said one to another, so we have these four lepers sitting at the gate of Samaria, and they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? Father, we ask your blessing upon the preaching of the word of God this morning. Father, the reading and studying of it as well. Father, I pray that we can uh, put all the things that we might have going on out there in the world. They may be important things that certainly need our attention, our responsibilities. But Lord, for the next several minutes, may we just put those off to the side for just a little while. And Lord, I understand sometimes we need to go uh, in and out for, for reasons that we can't help, providential reasons and so forth, Lord. But if possible, Lord, I pray that we would all remain seated unless absolutely necessary, Lord, so as not to not to take away the attention of somebody that may need to hear a very important point uh, in this message. And uh, so, Father, help us with that. And, Lord, with that said, I pray that your Holy Spirit, Lord, will roam all of these pews and these aisles. And, Lord, that you'll speak to hearts. Lord, you know those that need to be saved. Father, you know those that are your children that maybe are struggling in some area of life. Uh, 
those that are saved that might just be going through a difficult time for for no uh, uh, reason of themselves, Lord. In other words, it's not that they've done anything wrong. They're just going through a difficult time. I pray that you might even speak to them as well. And Father, we'll thank you for all that you're going to do. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. You can go ahead and be seated. So again, the title of the message is, Why Just Sit Here Until You Die? Now, in biblical times, in biblical days, uh, not only in the Old Testament as we have here, but in the New Testament, well, being a leper meant really just being an outcast. It, it, it's still a disease today, uh, not as significant in the world as it was back then, but certainly a terrible disease, a, what we might call a grotesque disease, is it basically just your flesh basically rots away. And so therefore it was often associated with uncleanness, and those who had it were basically expelled from society basically just to wither away. In other words, they were just, there was no cure. Uh, you have to go away because it was very contagious. Uh, and you might hear of leper colonies and those types of things. And uh, if they did come close to others in certain situations, the Bible gave uh, instructions that they were to cover their face, really cover their mouth especially, and cry out, unclean, unclean. So you could just imagine the humiliation and and even certainly by uh, the time we get to Second Kings here, uh, a lot of it had to be associated with, well, they have leprosy because they're also sinners and they're under the judgment of God, which wasn't always the case, but no doubt it just carried a, a dark cloud with it. Not just the physical aspects of it, but certainly the, the spiritual aspects of it as well. And from a biblical perspective, uh, leprosy does have a spiritual significance because you find it often throughout the scriptures. And of course, it should always remind us of the awful disease of sin. You know, we live in a day and age where sin today is, is applauded, um, it's admired, it's encouraged in many ways. But in the eyes of God, it is a gross sin. Amen. Sin is gross to God. He's, he's highly offended uh, because of sin. And, and, and those of us uh, that have been saved from our sin, we under, should understand that, that we have been cured from a disease, an awful, unclean disease called sin. Uh, and certainly sin, like leprosy, it has a destructive power over mankind. Uh, it is an ugly disease that, as I said, it separates man from a holy God. And sin, again, like leprosy, it often starts out small but continues to grow until it absolutely devours somebody's life. And so we have a, really a picture of what sin does, spiritually speaking. Uh, not only in the Old Testament, as I mentioned, we read about leprosy in the New Testament. And Jesus often broke tradition. He didn't break Scripture, but there were some traditional things that had kind of come along. But Jesus had broke tradition, and he actually would engage lepers. And, and first of all, loving them, amen, and, and certainly even uh, healing them uh, in, in many cases, I'm sure, that aren't recorded in God's Word. And so, uh, you know, just like we learned this morning, wilt thou be made whole with the man at the pool of Bethesda? It is Jesus and Jesus alone that can, can heal man of that awful disease called sin. And uh, so sin isn't something to be applauded. Sin isn't something that we, that we engage in for a while. And, uh, you know, then we go, okay, I'm tired of sin, so I'll get saved. Hey, listen, 
uh, it is an awful, awful disease, and you need to be saved from your sin if you're not saved this morning. Now, you know, these things are hard for us as human beings to, to comprehend all the reasons why God allows things like this. We hit on this a little bit this morning in Sunday school as we, we talked about that certainly there are the symptoms of sin, there are the consequences of sin, and oftentimes those can come out uh, in unpleasant things that people go through. That's not always the case, as Christ would, would teach us as well. But at the end of the day, we, we don't really understand all the reasons God allows things, in this case leprosy or other types of things, but we do need to understand the awful consequences of sin. I mean, that's very important for us to understand today. But the other side of it as well, that even though there are these awful consequences of sin and the ugliness of sin and the, the grossness of sin, uh, but because of Jesus Christ, there's also hope. And for that, we can rejoice and, and praise the Lord for. And so our message today, we're going to focus in on a time in Israel, I'm going to say northern, the northern tribe's history. In other words, at this point in time, the, the kingdom, uh, the, the nation of Israel was split. Uh, you had the northern tribes of Israel. Uh, you had the southern tribes of Israel. Uh, that southern tribe of Israel, the tribes there, there was two that, that were recognized as Judah. So often when you're reading in the Bible, You'll, you'll see that they're talking about Israel or Judah. The capital of Judah was Jerusalem. And we had a nice map this morning during Sunday school to show what Jerusalem was like in Jesus' day anyway. And uh, so that was the capital of Judah down in the southern part of the kingdom. And the capital of, uh, of the northern tribes was Samaria, the, even the city of Samaria. And uh, so that's where the, uh, often when you see Israel, they're often associated that to those ten northern tribes, if you will. And that's what we're focusing on is this, this area of Samaria. Now, the northern tribes really, uh, they, they, they struggled a lot, you know, a lot more in the early days, if you will, than the kings of Judah, although the kings of Judah had issues as well. But uh, the northern tribes, for the most part, they, they really struggle with obedience to God and idol worship and those types of things. And uh, as far as I know, I think I'm right in saying this, but their, their kings were really basically described uh, three or four or five different times as this, talking about that specific king. Uh, he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And that's pretty much what they were known by. They were very wicked kings. We, we often think of King Ahab. He, he was one of the kings of Samaria. And certainly uh, he just followed what he had been taught and others followed him as well. And uh, so, so again, and for this, the northern tribes of Israel, they, they really found themselves often in peril. As a matter of fact, they would actually be carried off into exile many, many uh, years uh, before Judah, uh, they would be carried away to uh, Assyrian captivity, and then Judah later on would be carried away into Babylonian captivity. But, but they spent many, many years uh, uh, in peril, and that's the setting of the, the backdrop or the context of what we're going to find out today. There was a specific thing going on in uh, Samaria at this time simply because of their their rebellion to God and their ungodly ways. And uh, it was really a tragic time um, uh, in, in the northern tribe. That is, I'm going to refer to them as Israel, in Israel's uh, history. 
um, and, uh, uh, and pull out some things. I believe that God would have us to see and to understand. And then we'll come back to this passage we just read and, and uh, toward the end and, and uh, tie some things together. But, but I want it to help us all, whether you're here today, you're saved or lost or, or maybe backslidden perhaps or what have you, to help us see some things that can really encourage us, but most of all to bless our lives. You know, uh, the first thing I want us to look at, and I want, you to, I want you to look at this historically. I want you to see the picture of what's going on, but I want you to try to keep in mind that we're, we're applying this to some spiritual truths as well. And so number one is this. We see a besieged city uh, in the ancient days. In other words, Samaria had been besieged. Uh, the Assyrians had come and, and uh, had surrounded the city. And, and, and uh, a besieged city in ancient days, and we'll see some evidence of this here in our text, but it would bring really, as far as we're concerned today, unimaginable suffering. I mean, we can't even begin to fathom what those inside of a besieged city would go through, although we're going we're to find out a little bit here in just a minute. Now, keep in mind that these besiegings could last for, I don't know if that's a word or not, but, but these things could last for years, okay? Uh, depending on how much the city, how much resources the city had within itself. Uh, but, of course, the whole idea there was to cut them off, and uh, their, their supplies would run out. And, again, this could last for years, and it was really a slow death, and, and it could bring a sense of complete, utter hopelessness. I mean, could you imagine? And it would drive people to do things out of desperation that, that were really just un, unspeakable, uh, you know, unthinkable even. Yet, as we look through this, you'll see in our message that, that God specializes in these things, that is, rescuing souls from uh, hopeless and desperate situations. And we'll see that God does this very thing. And really, it's, it's not a very, real long passage, but it is certainly a, what I would call an emotional roller coaster ride in just a, a handful of scriptures here because we see, we see total despair uh, we see the awfulness of, of, of the besieged city there uh, that had gone on for quite some time, no doubt, but then in an instant comes victory. Amen? And so praise the Lord for that. So we're going to see that. So let's look at this besieged city. We notice the results in Samaria, again from, the, I think I said Assyria, but really technically it's Syrian, uh, siege. And uh, uh, chap, we're going to back up to chapter 6. You're chapter 7 now, but back up to chapter 6. And let's kind of get the backdrop to all this. Verse 24, and it says, And it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, uh, gathered all his hosts and went up and besieged Samaria. And uh, so I've given you what that's all about. Uh, and there was a great famine in Samaria. And behold, they besieged it, notice, until an ass's head, that would be the head of a donkey. Now they're talking about for food was sold for four score, that's 80 pieces of silver, and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung, droppings, bird droppings, for five pieces of silver. Just imagine how bad it had gotten, folks. And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help my lord, O king. And he said, and you, you, you sent some resentment, even towards the Lord in this, because this is kind of a sarcastic reply. And he said, If the Lord do not help thee, when shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor or out of the wine press? And of course, the barn floor and the wine press were empty. You know, 
So he's basically saying, lady, you know what's going on here. You know, there's nothing I can do. Uh, but nevertheless, he, he does want to know what's going on. So he asked in verse 28, and the king said unto her, What aileth thee? What's the problem? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Now listen, give thy son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him, and she hath hid her son. Now notice what this king did. By the way, this was a wicked king, but even he is, you know, uh, overtaken in emotion by this. And it says, And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes, and he passed by upon the wall. And the people looked, uh, and behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. And so we have there a very sobering word picture of what a siege city could, could become. Um, and again, God puts these things in the Bible for, for reasons. And as I've explained, the Syrians were basically just outlasting the city. They were starving them out, cutting off supplies, basic needs that the city needed. Imagine, too, on top of all this, no way of getting rid of garbage or or sewage or anything. Imagine things being so bad that, that things like animal dung would become food, that, that these things would fetch a high price even to have. Imagine being so hungry that people are beginning to really go crazy and in a fit of hysteria uh, turning to cannibalism. And that's what was happening. And all this was bringing a lot of pain uh, to certainly those there, and even this, this king himself. Now keep in mind, this, this certainly was God's judgment upon Samaria. But nevertheless, these were human beings that were suffering. As I mentioned there, verse 27, we kind of notice a hint, I believe, of resentment towards God from the king. And by the way, this would be King Joram, and, and uh, no doubt... Uh, as we're going to see too, he not only blaming God, but he's blaming the prophet of that day and age, which was Elisha, not Elijah, but Elisha, because Elisha had been preaching and warning and those types of things. And not only is he mad at God, but he's mad at the preacher. And matter of fact, look at verse 31, that he said, God do so and more so all, more so to me if the head of Elisha, the son of, the son of Shaphat, shall stand on him this day. So he was just mad about everything, uh, although they had uh, ignored the warnings of God and the things that God said would happen did happen um, because really not only the king, but really the people of Samaria, they had forgotten some things. And, and again, spiritually speaking, just like a, an individual man or woman that finds themselves uh, in a hopeless situation or a desperate need, uh, oftentimes like Jor Joram, they... They, they fail to see the real cause of their plight. You know, um, it certainly wasn't God's fault, and it wasn't the man of God's fault, but uh, it was a series of, of ungodliness and, and bad decisions. And, 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 and in this case, idol worship was probably, uh, you know, the top of the list here. And so the people of Samaria, they had forsaken God, embraced false gods. And certainly the same thing today. We don't necessarily have a big issue with that. But certainly there are some, some false worship things that go on out there today in the name even of Christianity. Uh, the, here, let, I want you to understand that, that anybody who rejects God for any reason 
uh, those who reject God can find themselves besieged by the enemy. I'm not saying the West Plains is going to be besieged or even the United States could happen, I suppose. Not even saying your house per se is going to be physically besieged, but I'm talking about spiritually besieged. And you're going to find yourselves doing and reacting things in a way that you never thought you would. You know, uh, when we're under spiritual attack, hey, listen, uh, you need to understand some things uh, that things you thought you'd never say or do, you'll find yourself saying and doing. Uh, what I'm saying is, is to be spiritually besieged upon this earth though is really only the beginning because if you step off into eternity without Christ, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are playing games with God. You know, they're not taking this whole heaven and hell thing seriously. And they want to be intellectual and they want to try to tie some things together and connect all the dots. Hey, listen, you need to quit fooling around and get saved. Amen? Because listen, uh, you're, you are spiritually besieged and if you step off into eternity... Uh, the, as bad as this suffering was here in Samaria that we read about, I can't think of anything worse than that. Hey, listen, there's a place called hell that is far worse than that, amen? And there is no escape from that once that soul enters in. Uh, and so again, we see there a, a besieged city. Now, again, I want you to understand, I think that there's different degrees of, of spiritual besiegement, if that's a word, I'm not sure, but, uh, you know, and again, I, I could be preaching to saved or lost right now. Spiritually speaking, you might be under siege right now. Um, I just want you to understand the good news is, as we're going to read here in just a moment, God, certainly we live in this age of grace when it comes to salvation. He has provided a way of escape. Amen? And that is through our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ so if you're here this morning and you're not saved, you just you need to get saved right now. As a matter of fact, we'll just hit the pause button and, and we'll go ahead and get that taken care of right now. Amen. Uh, hey, listen, to face an, an eternal besiege, uh, listen, of never-ending suffering, you, you don't want that. Amen. Uh, and we do not know the day and hour of our departure. And so we need to make sure that we're saved. Or maybe you're here this morning and... And again, you're, you're saved, but you've, you're, you're besieged by some things, maybe by some bad decisions or what have you. Hey, listen, I just want you to understand, God wants to work a, work a work in your life. So number one, we see a besieged city. Number two, we see a promise of hope to a besieged city. Now look at verse uh, chapter 7, verse 1. And uh, so we, we see some things here. I'm kind of skipping over some things for time's sake. But notice, then Elisha said, so he knows the king's upset. He says, hear ye the word of the Lord. So think about how desperate things are. Uh, a donkey's head. Uh, they're eating bird dung. They're resorted to cannibalism. Uh, and and that, that evening, this is what Elisha tells them. And then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow, in other words, within a matter of hours, about this time, shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Now, I guarantee by this time, there was no flour in that city at all, okay? There was no way, you know, there was no way, there were no staples, you know, I don't understand, uh, to, to do these things. And so they're down to eating dung, and then Elisha says, tomorrow you're going to have everything you need to eat to your fill. Now, imagine that. That probably, they were probably weren't buying that, were they? Nah, <laughs> I don't see how that's going to happen. Uh, and, and we'll, we'll see some, uh, the response to that here in just a moment. 
So Elisha is telling the king the siege is going to be over uh, uh, by that morning, the next morning that is. And of course they're not convinced, certainly the king isn't, and really again a sarcastic tone, and it says there in verse 2 that if God opened the windows of heaven it wouldn't be possible. In other words, even if God began to bless right now, uh, none of those things would be happening because we are absolutely at zero right now. But again, they, they didn't really understand some things. And I suppose, humanly speaking, there, there certainly are things in this life through our eyes and life experiences uh, that have conditioned us to think that sometimes there are things that seem hopeless. I mean, there are mountains out there that you say, that'll never be moved. That'll never change. But we never want to tell God never, right? And I might ask, again, I go back to, you know, asking this question, what, what has the enemy possibly besieged you with? You know, again, I believe children of God can, you know, we're saved, we're on our way to heaven, we could be besieged sometimes with things, and, you know, spiritually speaking. You know, sometimes we can be financially besieged, right? Uh, relationship besieged. Uh, you know, marital problems can besiege us right uh, we can be de besieged with depression anxiety um, we can be besieged with substance abuse right I mean there's all types of besieged things that can happen uh, we could just be besieged with loneliness uh, uh, maybe we have a, a desperate situation a physical situation going on in our own body perhaps or a loved one and, and uh, you know we, we all can be besieged in some way. And I just want you to understand that God is speaking to everyone here today. This isn't just for lost people. It's for, for anybody. And, and if you've been alive very long at all, you've been besieged. And, and if you continue to live very much longer, you, you'll be, be, you might not be besieged right now, but, but, but you'll be, be besieged again, right? So we know these things happen. And, and so again, I, I want you to understand that God's speaking to all of our hearts today, certainly those that are under siege, but if that time comes, you may be under siege again. But I always want you to know that, that there's hope. You know, Elisha was a prophet. In other words, when Elisha spoke, he spoke the very words of God. Now today, we have the very words of God in written form. That's, that's what our Bible is, amen? Uh, and so again, what I'm trying to get you to understand, Elisha was speaking hope. He brought a word of hope, if you will, uh, from an all-powerful to God, all-powerful God. And today we have those very words and many more. But I want to get you to understand, this is where our hope is found, is in the Word of God. Amen. God's Bible. And so I just encourage you to, 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 to read it and to study it. Uh, and it'll help you through those times when you're besieged, because the Word of God... Again, it, it shows us the hope of a besieged city, a hope of a, a desperate city that had no other way uh, out other than God to do something big. Now, here's the question, and it brings us back to our verse of interest and the title of our message. Again, the title of the message is, Why Just Sit Here and Die? So now we, we know some things, okay? So let's talk about the the deliverance uh, of this besieged city. Now, notice what happens here. We're going to read verse 3 again. And there were four leprous men. So we know the backdrop now, under siege. Uh, but the man of God, it says there's hope. And then it says there, so the next, actually it's still twilight. It's still very, very early, dark outside. But the morning is coming. And there were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate. 
They couldn't be in the city because they were lepers. So they were outside the gate. And they said one to another, why sit here until we die? Now here's their reasoning. Now I want you to pay real close attention because this is important. If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city and we shall die there. There was nothing, in the, there was nothing for them to go to. In other words, they were lepers. They were already dying. Nobody was going to give them food. So no, no hope in the city. We go back to the city. We are, we are definitely going to die real soon. So they, and that make, they're, they're right. And if we sit here, if we, just stay, if we just keep doing what we're doing, we're going to die. So we can't go back into the city. We can't sit here. Uh, our demise will be hastened, and, and we, we will just sit here and die. Uh, now, therefore... Uh, come, let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. So they say, hey, we're just going to go throw ourselves on the mercy of the Syrians. He goes on to say, if they save us alive, we shall live. But if they kill us, we shall but die. In other words, we're, we're, we're dead men walking anyway. Listen, they didn't have anything to lose. They didn't have anything to lose. The only thing they had to, they, they weren't risking anything. And they said, hey, there's some hope here. Uh, for, for a little better, a better life, if you will. And so that's what they did. And it says, They rose up in the twilight, verse 5, to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp, in other words, the edges of it, now remember, this was uh, thousands and thousands of army. Behold, there was no man there. <laughs> now here's why. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots, and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. Now, there wasn't nothing there, but God made him to hear it. And it says, And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians. And certainly that was something that happened often uh, of the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. And then it says in verse 7, Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight. Now notice, and they left their tents and their horses and their asses and even the camp as it was and fled for their life. So when it says they left, they didn't take anything with them. So we have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of, of food and stuff and wealth, all those types of things. And these four <laughs> leprous men uh, that walk into this, okay? And they're like, wow, you know, this is, this is pretty cool, <laughs> you know. And, and, and so, uh, of course, you know, we're not going to read all the story there, but you can just imagine how they, they, they felt and, and what was going on there. And, uh, and so they, they, you know, of course, they're going to help themselves. Now, now, listen, you know, God had miraculously scattered the powerful Syrian armies we just read. And as I read, too, there, they left all their provisions behind, now, the people of Samaria, they don't know this yet, but they were certainly going to reap the benefits of this. Um, but they didn't do anything for this to happen. It was all God. It was all God. Uh, again, this was still a wicked king. This was still a wicked people. Um, yet God and His mercy. And I want you to understand some things. There, there, there could be somebody here today. I, I'm not... I'm not saying, you know, the severe famine and besiege that we see here, but spiritually speaking, you're, you're going through a time right now. And, and there might be some here today who are, who are trying to, to figure a way out of this thing. We're trying to figure out how to, to break the siege, you know, on, on your life right now. In other words, by my own, 
my own way of thinking, by what my life experiences have taught me. What, what can I do to, to stop this siege? Listen, you can't. You can't break the siege. There's nothing you can do. Hey, listen, uh, whatever it is you're going through today, if you peel back enough layers, listen now, whatever you're going through today, it might be financial, it might be a sickness, whatever it is, but I want you to understand, whatever it is you're going through today, if you peel back enough layers, it's a spiritual battle. So it has to be handled spiritually, right? And, and so again, when it comes to that, listen, uh, there's, there's th that you can't do that. You can't break that siege. No more than the Samaritans could break their siege. It's only something that God could do. And so therefore, we must turn to him. So the question is, why sit here and die? Why just, why just keep sitting there? Why not do something? In other words, what I mean is, why spend your physical life besieged by the enemy and worst case scenario to be lost sit here and die that is to die Christless that's that's sad that's very very sad especially you know knowing what Christ has done for us and so these four lepers they teach us a great deal their situation really typifies certainly the condition of a lost soul an unforgiven soul I mean uh, you know we read that in verse 3 I mean, they absolutely had no hope, nowhere to turn to. You know, again, verse 4, uh, we will enter into the city, then the famine is there. You know, the city can't do anything for us. We can't just keep doing what we're doing. The only thing we can do is maybe turn to this enemy. And In other words, all they were wanting, they were just saying, maybe there's some mercy out there for us. And I want to tell you something, there is mercy. But it's not from a Syrian army. It's not from anybody, but it is from God uh, himself. I want to ask you, so why sit there and die? Why sit there lost in your sins? Why, why sit there unsaved? You, you know, again, it makes sense. Why sit there doomed? You know, if, you know, we're doomed for sure if we just sit here at the gate, if we go into the city, the famine's going to kill us, and we don't have anything to lose, just, you know, we're going to hope for some mercy. Why do we just want to simply sit here and basically what it means is to wait and die. Why, why would you want to do that? Now listen, if you're lost this morning, you have a similar situation. And I just want to ask you this question. I often ask lost people this, not all the time, but, but sometimes I want to ask them, what do you have to lose? <laughs> What's the worst thing that could happen by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior? I mean, you know, if you're lost, you're marked with the sin of death, spiritual leprosy. I mean, to have leprosy in those days, it was the, the, the mark of, it was the death nail. I mean, it was just a matter of time. Hey, listen, if you're lost, it's just a matter of time before you step off into eternity. And, and just like they can't cure themselves, hey, listen, we can't cure ourselves from the sin of death because there's none good, no, not one, right? So we can't cure ourselves from the sin curse. Uh, the city, that is the world, the world sure can't save you from your sin, right? Nothing in Samaria. Hey, they're, they're, they're in the same boat you're in. You know, I mean, if you stop and think about it, the only difference between the, the lepers and the ones in the city is they had leprosy. Other than that, they were exactly the same situation. And listen, if you're lost, that's the world. The world, the world can't give you anything that you need. Amen. As a matter of fact, the world is 
the reason for all these things that we struggle with. So you're not going to get any help from the world. You're not going to get any mercy from the world. So what do you have to lose? As these men said, we're going to throw ourselves on the mercy of the Syrians, but really the Syrians were already gone. But I want to ask you a question. What's it going to hurt? What do you, you know, listen, the whole world is spiritually bankrupt. The world is under a spiritual famine. Why just sit here and die? Why, why do you have to, you know, again, what do you have to lose? Because if you remain as you are, you'll no doubt succumb to the disease of sin. And this world will have no pity on you. What do you have to lose? Get up and throw yourself on the mercy of God. And he has never turned one person down who does that. Amen. Praise the Lord. That is shouting ground right there. I'm here to tell you, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says uh, there's a good possibility. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord most of the time... <laughs> no, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. It's the only hope we got. And God will certainly save you and give you access to everything you need. The Samaritans, and for time's sake, we won't go through all that, but they, they woke up that morning and had everything they needed, just as the man of God said and again, I just challenge you, if you're not saved this morning, put it to the test. What do you have to lose? Why just sit there in your sin and, uh, and, and, and die? You know, we don't have the guarantee of even the rest of this day. Come and be cleansed, as the Bible says, washed white as snow. Don't just sit there and die in your sin. It tells us in Isaiah 1.18, a wonderful salvation verse. God says, come now, let us reason together saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, and they are, they shall be white as snow. They, uh, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Amen. Cleanliness. Think of the awfulness of leprosy and in an instant being made clean. I, I say don't delay any longer. <laughs> Again, what do, you, what do you have to lose? Why sit there and die? There's no reason to. Absolutely no reason to. And real quickly, believer, I, I want to challenge you. There's another great truth here. You know, I want you to look there at verse 9. So they go in and, you know, they're, they're having a party, right? I mean, they're, you know, I could just imagine, you know. I just try to paint a word picture here. I mean, they've got stuff and, you know, stuff sticking out <laughs> all over the place. I mean, they're just grabbing double arm loads and, but it says in verse 9, Then they said one to another. This is the lepers now. The city don't know anything about this. We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. In other words, we're not saying anything. If we tarry till morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. And that's exactly what they did. Um, and just like the man of God said, uh, they had all they needed people begin to be fed at that very moment. And there's a great lesson in that and, and much more we could talk about. You should maybe try to read it this evening possibly. But in verse 9 there, I want you to understand, the, man, the men realized they had an obligation to tell others. Hey, listen, Christian, we have an obligation to tell others. You know, um, I don't care if you feel like telling them or not. It, you have an obligation to tell them. 
You go tell them, hopefully the feelings will come later. But for right now, you have an obligation to tell people about Jesus, amen? You have an obligation to tell those that are besieged by the devil that, hey, outside the world, there's a Savior that loves them and died for them and that can save them. And uh, they, they don't have to wait until daylight, amen? Uh, and certainly they went immediately, as these men did, to share the good news. So we need to do our part by going and telling those who are besieged by the enemy, again, who are sitting and waiting to die. You know, without Christ, we have to share uh, that hope that is found, again, as I mentioned earlier in the pages of this Bible. But if you're here this morning, you're not saved. You may not realize it, but you are being besieged. And you need to come and be saved today. And if you need to be saved this morning, you just come get my attention. We're going to have a time of invitations. Our pianist gets ready to come. And uh, you need to do business with the Lord. Maybe you're a believer here this morning, and maybe you're just going through some things. Uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of things that we're trying to figure out instead of just giving it over to God. Maybe we just need to give some things over to God this morning. Amen. Only he can break that, uh, that siege, if you will. So let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Now's the time to respond. Most important part of the message uh, is right now. So Christian, pray. Uh, let's stay focused here on these next several minutes. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the blessings of life, your love, mercy, your grace. And Lord, as we get ready for this invitation, Lord, there's certainly lots of application that could be made. So, Father, hope and pray, whether saved or lost, that no one will leave here today with any unfinished business with you. But for that soul that might be besieged, Lord, spiritually besieged, for, Lord, that's in a spiritual famine with absolutely no hope and no way of, of getting what they need, I hope that they'll see that and they'll turn to the one, the only one, uh, that can save them from their sin. And, Father, we'll rejoice in that this morning. Father, we'll thank you and we'll love you. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. The invitation